Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And we are back. Crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. The last podcast before NBA training camps opened up. Beck, training camps are scheduled for media day. I think it was you that said like end of August, early September, that September is the shortest month of the year. It really is. Like it just kind of flew by. As proof, as proof, I said that five minutes ago. That's how fast <laughs> September goes by. I literally said that five minutes ago, and here we are. It's the last week of September or, or ish, and media days are right around the corner. So, yeah, uh, thanks, September. It was nice knowing you briefly. Um, here we go. Yeah. All right. On this episode, we're going to get into the Robert Williams injury in Boston, what that means for the Celtics. Uh, some news about collective bargaining. We could have a return to the 18-year-old age minimum, which would effectively make high school players in play in the next uh, CBA. And the Lakers, one of the most interesting teams, as usual, going into camp. What did the Lakers do with the guard spot? They fortified their backcourt with Dennis Schroeder. 
this past week. You've still got Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly. How is that all going to play out in Los Angeles? Beck, who do you got lined up for the Friday version of the crossover pod? Uh, yes, so the head of officiating, I can never remember his, his precise title because, of course, NBA titles are very long and cumbersome and full of unnecessary commas and weird capitalization. But Monty McCutcheon, head of NBA officiating, will be making his uh, annual return to the pod to discuss rules changes, points of emphasis, random referee things. In fact, folks, if you hear this uh, pod before, because I'm going to see him, in fact, on Thursday, there's a peek behind the curtain. Um, if anyone's listening to this pod before then, and you want to hit me on Twitter at Howard Beck with questions for Monty McCutcheon, uh, I might be able to, uh, pass some of those along. All right. Well, we look forward to that on Friday. Uh, so Howard, let's start with the breaking news, uh, on Tuesday, which is that Robert Williams, the third, the Celtics starting center, a annual candidate for defensive player of the year, kind of backstop what they did defensively last year he is going to miss the next four to six weeks with a knee injury knee surgery that same knee that he had operated on during the playoffs last year before the start of the playoffs uh, last year the injury is expected to keep Robert Williams out during the preseason for training camp but if all goes well he will be back before the start or before too long into the regular season uh you know, on the, the positive is it's happening now and not happening at the start of the season. Um, but it does leave the Celtics pretty thin on that front line. Danilo Gallinari already likely to be lost for most of, if not the entire season. The size in the front court is really limited at this point to Al Horford and Grant Williams in terms of established players. You've got... Uh, Luke Cornett there for deep in the weeds Celtics fans that know who Luke Cornett is and what he's doing on that roster. But, uh, you know, it's it's not a huge cause for concern yet, Beck, but I don't dismiss it as being nothing at this point. It's not nothing because of his history and his recent history, right? Like all the games missed last season, all the concerns with his knee, the, I mean, even, even into the finals with, with health issues, with... Robert Williams III, and as critical as he is to uh, to their defensive schemes, um, remember he he was possibly the front runner for defensive player of the year until he went down during the season, and that's when things kind of shifted to Marcus Smart, you know. And it is one of those things we're trying to you know everyone's trying to parse out like who's more who should be more credited, who's more responsible for the, the Celtics. Fantastic, suffocating defense. Is it Williams? Is it Marcus Smart? Is it a combination of thereof and and of this whole uh, this whole crew? He's important. Put it that way. He's important. Tweet from uh, Matt Williams at the ESPN Stats and Research uh, uh, Department. Put this up when the news broke that uh, Robert Williams III held opponents to fifty point seven percent shooting at the rim, according to NBA Advanced Stats. That ranked fourth among players to defend two hundred shots, trailing as everyone would guess. Isaiah Hartenstein, <laughs> Sharon Jackson Jr., and Rudy Gobert. Uh, two of those people would have guessed. The third, uh, they would not have. Uh, one of the nice pickups by the Knicks this summer uh, in Hartenstein. Um, Robert Williams is important. Okay, we know that. He's injury prone, and this is this is an issue for, for him and for the Celtics. But, I mean, listen, I did the quick and dirty math. If he's getting surgery, let's say, by Friday, four weeks brings him back October 21st, he'd miss a game or two. 
if he's out six weeks, it, it's like seven or eight games returning on November 4th. So it's not catastrophic in that regard. It just feels like if you're a Celtics fan, if you're the Celtics organization, it's, oh man, you know, here we go again. Um, and you would have liked to have gotten this taken care of earlier in the summer. I assume this was something that that more recently occurred. This was not something they could have just opted to to do back in July or August. I'm I'm guessing that maybe there was something new found. I don't I don't have those details. Maybe you do. Yeah, I've got a little. Um, it's just some discomfort. I was told that has arisen over the last couple of weeks. Robert Williams has been ramping up. Uh, for the start of the season. And and my understanding is it it was effectively, look, let's just get it taken care of right now, to your point, so that, you know, all he misses are maybe the first couple of weeks of the regular season. We can have him back for for the duration of it. I mean, you know, if I'm, and this is just more like speculation, but if I'm the Celtics, I give him the full six weeks. Remember, he came back from the last knee surgery pretty quickly. Uh, I think it was only a month that he took off and he came back in the middle of that Brooklyn series. And really from the moment he came back, he was day to day. Like he had to, uh, he was in and out of the lineup and you had to wonder if he had taken a little bit more time off, would he have been healthier for the stretch run? Robert Williams, history of lower leg injuries. uh, I think you've got to give him uh, as much time as humanly possible, but it's right. I think to have him uh, have this procedure now and then, you know, hopefully it's not an issue during the regular season. What you have to think about, though, Howard, is the depth here. And is there a need in Boston to go out and sign someone else? Now, last week, I sat here. We did a little game of where should they land some of the veteran free agents that were out there. Dwight Howard was a name that was on our list. And I suggested back then that Dwight Howard would be a good fit in Boston. I believe it even stronger right now. I mean, Dwight Howard, 36, 37 years old, role player, only going to give you 15, 20 minutes per game, but he has done it as recently as 2020 on a championship level. He has accepted that he is not the Dwight Howard of old. old. He's not looking for touches, you know, that number in the double digits on the low post. Um, and, And even with Robert Williams, one of the things the Celtics have needed has been some muscle on that front line. Dwight Howard can provide some muscle, at least in short spurts. So, look, we'll see what Brad Stevens decides to do here, but as long as Dwight Howard is available, I think he's a pretty good option for the Celtics. I agree. I mean, listen, short term, if you had to get by with Grant Williams and Al Horford and, and you know, more, you know, more small ball and whatever, I, I think they'd probably be fine. Um, and... I think the bigger question is, can you do you think you can count on Robert Williams III to make it through the whole season and into the playoffs? And are you looking for insurance, not just as a stopgap now, but actual, like, listen, we need the depth to get through the season. We want to make sure that Robert Williams III is in his, at his best for what we hope is going to be another deep playoff run, right? If you're the Celtics, you're, you're, you're thinking finals are bust again. And so if that's the case, you got to, I, I would think, be you know, thinking in those terms. Um they do have, from what I can gather, 12 guaranteed deals. So if you're going to sign Dwight, now you're cutting Luke Cornett, I guess, or you're cutting Sam Hauser. I mean, you're, you're cutting somebody. Um, and 
you know, is that really that big of a concern? No. Uh, by the way, Noah Vonley is on a training camp invite contract. So there's there's the other bit of depth there. We haven't seen him around the NBA in a while, I think. Um, so that, you know, maybe they feel like they've got it. But I, listen, I, I agreed with you last week when we talked about it. I, I agree now. Dwight would be a nice bit of insurance. And if not him, maybe DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, somebody to give them a little bit of depth on that front line. Hopefully, I mean, look, the... the Dwight Howard is not going to compensate for the any potential long-term loss of Robert Williams, but in a conference where you are consistently going to see big physical teams from Milwaukee to uh, Philadelphia to Miami, having a physical presence off the bench can't hurt, especially when that physical presence is coming in on a minimum contract. And is someone like Dwight who has shown he's comfortable and willing to accept a lesser role. So, you know, I, I just think one way or the other, they should make a run at Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, somebody uh, along those lines. All right, I want to talk about the recent reporting on the new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the Athletic, the first to report that the NBA and the NBA Players Union are having substantive talks about a new collective bargaining agreement. That's good news for us, Howard, because neither one of us wants to cover a lockout or any type of labor strife. Uh, but among the things that came up in this athletic report is something that we've been hearing about for many years now. The NBA is willing and if not eager to go back to the age 18 age minimum to allow high school graduating players once again to come in and to take off that kind of one and done uh, scenario, take that uh, off the board. But before we get into kind of when this could go into place and the impact it could have. Like, you know, what's been your understanding over the years about why the NBA has made this pivot? Because getting scouts and executives out of high school gyms was something David Stern prioritized when he was commissioner. And even if the NBA didn't want to say it, treating college basketball like a minor league sort of worked for them. Um, at least it did 10, 12 years ago, because you could get an extra sample size of 15, 20, maybe 30 games of a player that you could use to make your decision. So you wouldn't have quite so many, you know, prep to pro busts as, as there have been over the years. So what do you make of the NBA's uh, willingness to go back to the high school age uh, player coming to the NBA? Yeah, so look, the prep to pro era was basically 95 to 2005, right? That's when Kevin Garnett starts this whole cascade and then Kobe and T-Mac and Jermaine O'Neal all come behind him, Dwight Howard, and of course LeBron, the best prep to pro player of all time, if we're going to base it on who was the most ready on day one. And the the door slams shut in 2006. And I, I always am quick to remind people of this, it, lest it be forgotten. When the age limit went into place in 2006 in the, as part of the 2005 CBA, it's because, yes, the league wanted it. David Stern wanted it. He wanted scouts, as you said. That was his phrase. That was his quote. I want scouts out of high school gyms. These days, it would be junior high gyms and, and elementary school playgrounds. Um, he had his reasons. I, 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 and some of them, by the way, I think were valid at that moment. Um... But I hasten to add this every time. 
the union agreed to it. This was not the NBA instituting this. This was not David Stern forcing this on anybody. It was brought to the table. The, le- the union agreed to it in exchange for uh, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in compensation in the form of uh, basketball-related income being guaranteed to them in, in that CBA. So the, the union signed off on it. And look, there was actual incentive for the union beyond the money. I mean, every 17-year-old that comes in or 18-year-old that comes in is knocking out a 37, 38-year-old at the other end, or possibly even a 34-year-old. So uh, it's a finite number of roster spots in this league. So that they're open to changing it now, you could say it's David Stern to Adam Silver. Okay, maybe that's part of it. Um, Billy Hunter is the one who signed off as executive director of the Players Association in 2005. Michelle Roberts comes in in 2014, I think it was, saying, screw this. There should be no age limit. But she also said there should be no salary cap, no max salaries, no anything, basically. And within a couple of years after that, Michelle and Adam had both been new to their roles. Within a few years, Adam himself is saying, yeah, you know, I I think we're moving in a direction where we should reevaluate this. And then eventually he's saying... Yeah, we're probably ready to get rid of it, subject to negotiations. This has been on the table. It's funny because every time this comes up, it's breaking news. It's been on the table and kind of agreed to in principle-ish by the league for at least five years. But talks to do it as a side issue. Remember, a few years ago, we were talking about they're going to negotiate this outside of the parameters of a new CBA. They're just going to do it as a one-off. You can do that anytime you want. You can change the rules anytime you want. League and the union get together. They say, you know what? Let's change the rules on marijuana. Let's take it off the banned list. Let's change the rules on the age limit. Whatever it is, they can do that anytime. They don't have to wait. They did have discussions. Those discussions went nowhere because both sides were waiting for the other to give a concession <laughs> as a trade-off because they're both thinking that the other side is now incentivized. It's a weird dance. I do think it will probably go away soon. And one of the reasons is the NBA now is a fully functioning minor league. The now G League, formerly the D League, formerly the NBA Development League. Uh, That makes it easier. Because to my point earlier about David Stern and his motives, part of it was that there were some flameouts, some spectacularly bad and and alarming flameouts by some of these guys coming in too young. Corleone Young, Leon Smith, Robert Swift. And I don't think the league was ready to deal with it back then, but they are now. They do have a G League. They have, you know, I think, what are we at now? 29 teams. We still don't have 30 because who's the holdout? Portland, I think, was the holdout. If everybody's got a minor league team, if you draft the 17 or 18-year-old based on talent and not on actual readiness, because that's the consequence. Talent is not always readiness. And we saw that. And by the way, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Even Kobe, Jermaine O'Neal, T-Mac, and Dwight, some of the best prep-to-pro players we ever saw, were not ready. Go back and look at their rookie seasons. Look at their rookie stats. Look at the clips. They weren't ready. And if you have a fully functioning minor league, if you've got better infrastructure to support these guys physically every and, and, and every other way, then you've got a better chance of them succeeding at a higher rate, integrating better than you did the last time you had this influx. Yeah. It's easy to see why the union is for this. The union is about creating generational wealth for its players. That doesn't come generally in the form of a first contract. They're looking to get these guys to the second contract, the third contract, maybe the fourth contract 
as early chronologically as they are in their lives. Like, so if you can get a guy to the NBA at age 18, that means a second contract comes at age 22 instead of 23. It's just, it creates more opportunities for players to get big money over the lifetime of their careers. I get what you're saying with the NBA and, and, it didn't have a fully functioning minor league. It didn't even have the G League Select team, which has added another layer to all this. I still don't know exactly. It still doesn't make a ton of sense to me why they'd be all for this, unless they're getting some kind of major concession back from the union in return, because I still think the same principles apply with college basketball. There's you know, a player that looks great in high school, he goes to college basketball, plays at Duke or North Carolina for one year, and you're like, uh, you know, maybe he's not a first-round pick. Or, you know, more likely, maybe he would have been somebody you take in the lottery when he came out of high school, and now that he's gone a year in college, you say, all right, well, maybe he's not quite as good as we thought he was, and he goes late in the first round. Those things are still, they're still there for for the NBA. There's still, there's still a... a a positive to be taken from that uh, for the NBA. And these young guys, like the G League is still, it's fine, but it is what it is. You're, you're not getting great players outside of the select team to go play regularly in the G League. That's still not um, it's still not where it's at uh, at this point. Plus, my, my biggest, this is more a personal thing. You know, when, when the NBA went to the one and done rule, said you got to be over the age of 19 or whatever it is, um, I just felt like there would be a benefit that would never be seen. And what I mean by that is there could have been over the last 15, 16 years, some player, some high schooler that was like, you know what? I'm great. I'm Taj McDavid. I'm Corleone Young. I'm one of those guys. I am ready for the NBA, declares for the draft, and winds up like those players. Instead, maybe that player went to college. And maybe he realized when he was in college that, he wasn't an NBA player, and maybe he gained something from that. Maybe it's staying all four years at school. Maybe it's, uh, it's maybe there's some other trade off there. Like it's not, it's not something you can ever prove, right? Because you can't prove a negative. You can't prove something shitty was going to happen um, because you think it was going to happen. I just think that's that's a a benefit of that one and done rule that doesn't get talked about enough. Like the guys that. The, the, those guys that we talked about that, you know, with Corleone Young, if he had gone to college and played a couple of years at Kansas, would he have realized, like, maybe I'm not quite the same player? Taj McDavid, same thing. I mean, there's just there's countless examples of guys that didn't make it going from prep to pro. I, I just, I feel like that, we're going to have that happen again, Howard. When, when guys are jumped from high school, those guys we're talking about, those Corleone Youngs, the McDavid's, uh, Robert Swift's another example you used, they're, I mean, Robert Swift, though, he, was, he was lottery, right? So he, at least he got some guaranteed money uh, out of it. Um, it I, I think we're going to see those examples once again. And I, I, I cringe somewhat at, at whenever that happens. Yeah, and, and look, to be clear, just to head off this counter-argument, a guy can go to college for one year, declare for the draft, and still overestimate his talent and still end up dropping to the second round or going undrafted. Um, could still end up flaming out. Could still end up not being able to handle the lifestyle or the business aspects. Like all the things that befell the guys we've been talking about, Corleone Young, Leon Smith. Again, you know, folks, you go Google these guys, look them up or, or go pick up my buddy Jonathan Abrams' book, uh, Boys Among Men, which was a phenomenal book about the entire prep to pro era. Tells all of the stories, good, bad, and otherwise. Um 
It can happen even if you went to school for a year or two and played at the college level. That's 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 a given. But no one doubts that you are less mature physically, emotionally, mentally at 17 than 18, and certainly than at 19 or at 20. And that guys who've been dominating high school competition doesn't necessarily mean it translate when you're playing against men. And college is that interim step where scouts and GMs now get to see, well, how does this kid who was dominating in his, in his small town against a bunch of guys, he's a foot taller than, how does he look against guys who actually can match his athleticism or his skill or his height? That's actually important. It, like scouting kind of matters. It, scouts get plenty wrong. They still screw up the draft. I love that aspect of it. There's no science ultimately to it, or there's an attempt at science, but it's, it, it, it's, it's still elusive. But having a bigger data set, having a data set of them playing against more developed young men in college, all that matters. And, and I think that that's, you know, look, on the, if you're talking about what's good for the game, this is where I'll defend it in principle. I won't defend it as a, as a, working a workers rights issue right like it's indefensible when you talk about like you're preventing these guys from doing what they're best at and making a living off of it although now that we have the g league ignite and we have overtime elite and we have the australian league we have like there are places for guys to go if you don't want to go to college and if you don't want to go study something else to make a living you can play basketball and make a living without the nba no one's entitled to just go straight to the nba so i, I do want to say that too but I, I, I won't defend the age limit, generally speaking, in principle. I will defend it as what the league, I think, rightfully believed was better for it or best for it, which is you want guys who arrive in the NBA to be ready for the NBA. And again, the success stories that people always talk about, Kobe, Dwight, Jermaine O'Neal, Tracy McGrady, eventually, yes, they were superstars, but it doesn't mean they were ready on day one. And when you're spending a high draft pick, when you are giving them that five-year you know, three to five year rookie guarantee, you're doing it because we think this this is a difference maker. And so now that you, th there's a higher risk in drafting a 17 year old with the number one overall pick than in drafting a guy who's been in college showing you can play at that level against grown men for a couple of years. Like that's the bottom line. And I think that part philosophically is defensible. And in terms of the the quality of the game and the quality of the players that you're bringing in, that part of it made sense to me. Again, not justifying the rest of it, and I'm not advocating for them to keep the age limit. But I do think there was some rational and defensible uh, underpinnings for it at the time that they brought it in. Yeah, I agree. And it should be noted that regardless of when this new CBA is ratified, um, there likely is, and ESPN reported this, going to be a grace period for this. So it's not like in 2023 you're going to get an influx of high school players. Because draft picks have been traded based on the current model, there's going to be a several-year window yeah. where you know you're, you, this will, will not be enacted instantaneously. It'll probably be three, four, maybe five years no. before high school players are... Uh, before the floodgates open once again uh, for high school players. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, I want to move on to the Robert Sarver suspension. This was a topic, Howard, that we addressed briefly on the podcast last week. He had just been... Suspended for one year by the NBA, fined $10 million. Since then, the fallout has been significant. You've had players publicly pushing back. LeBron James, Chris Paul, notably, a member of the Phoenix Suns roster. Uh, You've got the head of the Players Association saying Robert Sarver really has no business in a managerial role. You have got the uh, co-owner, minority owner of the Phoenix Suns calling for the resignation of Robert Sarver. So, uh, your reaction to the Sarver uh, uh, fallout, and specifically, do you think it will have a tangible impact a year from now when Robert Sarver is eligible for reinstatement? Last week, I closed my column about this issue by saying that maybe this isn't the end, this suspension, that maybe this is just the beginning of this all. 
And it was because of this, because we'd already started to see some of this come out. LeBron and Chris Paul and Tamika Tremalio, the executive director of the Players Association, they were all on the record, um, I think, by the time, at least a couple of them, I think, were on the record by the time I wrote that. And it's because of that. So when people talk about Donald Sterling and, and Robert Sarver and why these cases were different, in part it's because of backlash that was swift and intense in the case of Sterling and that did not come immediately with Sarver even after the ESPN report last November. So it took 10 months to get to the stage where players and the Players Association are now saying, he's got to go. And I'm not saying that they should have done that sooner. I'm not saying, I'm not telling them to do anything. But I think had those demands come back in November, December, after Baxter Holmes' report came out, the league still would have said, we got to do our investigation. But there wasn't the groundswell that there is starting to be now and that there was in the case of Donald Sterling. And that in part matters. Like the optics matter, the politics of it matter, the financial pressures matter, where the players are matters because they are more powerful than any other single entity aside from the 30 owners and, and the league office. So the, the, the players, if they want to push this and depending on how hard they want to push this, they can make us this, this very uncomfortable. PayPal, uh, of course, has said it will not renew its sponsorship with the Suns if other corporate sponsors either start to pull away from the Suns and or the NBA in general. Um, it might cause I don't I don't know where it will lead. Right. Like, is that going to cause the Board of Governors to actually have a vote then? Probably not. Could it push Adam Silver to make the suspension longer, which was always, uh, you know, in his one of his options? And he, he, there's no double jeopardy rules in the NBA that I'm aware of. I think he still could. But also it could increase the pressure on Robert Sarver to sell. And I think that's where this ultimately could go and where a lot of people are hoping it goes, is that some combination of financial pressure, political pressure, player pressure will get to the point where the league is leaning on Sarver and maybe Sarver himself decides, you know what, this isn't worth the headache. And I'll say what I think I said last week on our pod, and I, I said it somewhere, if you're Robert Sarver, like, what are you, aside from pride, aside from ego, aside from just being stubborn and, and just digging in, what do you have to gain by sticking this out and showing up again in a year and having the world screaming at you and saying, you know, that, that you're, you're unfit for this league, which he clearly is. He's going to make a boatload. He's already worth hundreds of millions. He, if he sells his share, he will make hundreds of millions. There's really no punishment in this except that you're no longer get to walk around bragging that you are the majority owner of the Phoenix Suns. And I, I would think that in some more diplomatic way, the NBA, Adam Silver, would try to convey that to him. Like, look, this is not, it's not good for you to be the face of this team or a face of this league. That you, you should just gracefully, you know, disappear. And he could. And he'll still live a very, uh, I don't want to say a happy life. I don't know. I don't want to presume his happiness. Um, he will still re, uh, live a very uh, wealthy life, a very entitled life. So uh, that seems like the best way out of this for all parties, but that requires Robert Sarver to voluntarily bow out. Yeah. When I talk to people around the league about this situation, that's what comes up the most in the most hoped for outcome that Robert Sarver decides that it's just either, either not worth it or not going to happen for him to come back a year from now and just reassume his position as the majority owner and man in charge of the Phoenix Suns. Um, look, the owners are not going to force Robert Sarver to sell. We both know that. Like, they're not. Like, because they don't want to set a precedent. They don't want to open a potential Pandora's box here. And to something we talked about 
last week, Howard. I'm not sure that Silver is going to extend the suspension because I don't think he wants a lawsuit and all that would come with a lawsuit, discovery and depositions and all sorts of stuff to cut under unearth some things the NBA doesn't want in the public eye. So I think this is all about Robert Sarver's appetite to be this uncomfortable, to be this reviled. Um, you know, he's had his star player, you know, push back on him. He's had the head of the union push back on him. He's had his co-owner push back on him, the, the person running the operations for the next year while he is uh, in suspension. So, you know, if, you know, if Robert Sarver doesn't give a damn, and if he says, look, I don't care if you hate me, I don't care, this is my team and I ain't selling it, he'll be back next summer as majority owner of this team. But you have to feel like of all the possible outcomes in the last week of what could happen, all the, the criticism, the public criticism, was probably what you'd be hoping for if you want to push Robert Sarver out. Because if it had been relatively quiet, if like Chris Ball had said, well... You know, look, he took his punishment. We'll all move on again in a year. This story probably would go away. But right now, it's still front and center. And I think it will continue to be into media day next week with the Suns when they'll all be asked about it. Um, and as we kind of inch closer, you know, there'll be stories about it, I'm sure, at the six-month mark of the suspension and then into next year about whether or not it's even feasible for Robert Sarver to return. So, you know, Draymond Green took to his podcast to talk about this and said Robert Sarver should should be out. So he adds his voice as another star player, high-profile player to LeBron and Chris Paul. Tamika Tramalio, when she went on ESPN, made it very clear that her tweets were not just her speaking as an individual who happens to be executive director of the Players Association, but she is speaking on behalf of the players when she says he should not be able to hold a position of authority anymore in this league. So th this strongly suggests that whether it was by vote, whether it was by the player reps from each of the 30 teams, some way it was conveyed to Tamika that, it, that listen, this is where we are as the 450. The 450 players want him out. That's not a small thing. I also think that we're going to hear from a lot more players when media days start because they're all going to be asked. I think players on should be asked in every market. If we're all doing our jobs right, players on every team in every market should be asked about the Sarver situation. This is not just a Phoenix Suns matter. This is an NBA matter, and all the players have a stake in this. So if we're doing our jobs right, uh, everybody should be getting asked this on, in the media days that are coming up. On top of that, if you fast forward a year and Sarver is still around and visible, deciding to be visible, I think you could potentially have or most likely will have uh, demonstrations Outside of the Suns' home arena, you will have other actions. You know, Al Sharpton's not going away on this issue. He has released multiple statements. Uh, others may follow suit. I think a lot of people are, are back to the waiting game of seeing, well, is, the, is, is anything else going to happen here before they really decide to, to bring all those forces to bear? But if Sarver's still in that position a year from now, I'd, I'd be shocked if there weren't demonstrations and more increased threats of economic boycotts and sponsors deciding to pull the plug. So, yeah, again, I wrote it last week. I'll say it again. I, I, I do think this is not the end. This is the beginning, and I'm very curious to see what happens next. Yeah, well, we've got about a year to see how it all plays out, but the next wave of uh, you know, criticism is likely to come next week when you know, we have media day. 
and there's still plenty of time here. If you divested of at least several of your houses, you and I could pool our resources and possibly still make a bid for the Suns. So Good. let's, you yes. know, we, yeah, we'll, we should we'll, plan we'll, this we'll, out. Will they take, uh, I could probably do like 2500 a month. Will they take installments? <laughs> I could do that. I could pull that off at this point. Do they take um, Venmo? Right. They, they should. I would like that. I could. I still wouldn't be able to afford. More but not PayPal because PayPal. Because PayPal has says severing its ties to the Suns. PayPal so we cannot wants pay, out. We cannot buy the Suns through PayPal. PayPal wants out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests. We're gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, last thing for you, Howard. Um, the Lakers. I think the Nets probably have the most fascinating media day. You'll be there uh, next week for that. Uh, the Lakers, uh, equally interesting. I'll be around L.A. for Lakers media day. And I'm very curious to see how the Lakers explain the Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, 
fill in the blank, backcourt combination, how it's all going to work. Dennis Schroeder, the ex-Laker turned current Laker, signed to a new contract uh, this past week. He joins Beverly and Westbrook in the backcourt. And look, the Lakers have done an admirable, admirable job communicating to uh, preferred media members about how this is all going to work. Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm reading like, you know, Dennis Schroeder and Westbrook uh, will compete for the starting job or Schroeder's going to be a backup. Patrick Beverly, I read somewhere as the Lakers view as a three and D, D wing player. He's a wing. He's a wing. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, it's still <laughs> I, none of this makes I'm, I'm, any sense. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them to say he's just the backup center. Like if you're gonna do this, yeah. let's get as absurdist as possible. They view We're, they view Pat Beverly as their backup four five stretch big. Uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> what are they Look, doing? If you were gonna give you know the Lakers front office truth serum you would probably get back that they want Patrick Beverly to be their starter on opening night because he brings the kind of defensive mindset that Darvin Ham is looking for. I mean, Darvin Ham spent portions of the summer talking about Westbrook being the defensive point of attack when the reality is Westbrook has not been an elite defender since, like, college. Um, so, but Beverly fits more the role that Darvin Ham is looking for. And Dennis Schroeder, for all he's kind of gone through – over the past year, still 28, 29 years old, a really good offensive point guard who can defend as well, multiple positions. You bring him off the bench in the same role he was kind of in in Oklahoma City and a role he played at times in Los Angeles. LeBron tweeted out his excitement about having Schroeder back. Like that's He's not a bad backup point guard in that situation. But Westbrook there gums everything up. And I just I still can't believe that the Lakers believe, Darvin Ham, Rob Palenka, uh, all the front office members that have input there. I still can't believe they think having Westbrook around is the right move. I, I just, they're not acting, Howard, like like they are. Like they're they're going out and getting Patrick Beverly. They're signing Dennis Schroeder. They're, everything they're doing is telling us, or at least telling me, that they're trying to build a team that doesn't include Russell Westbrook on the roster. Because with Westbrook, Beverly, and Schroeder, Two guys that play, or three guys that play maybe two positions, but it's still a weird, it's a weird mix to have both of them, two of those guys on the floor at the same time. Um, I'm just hard-pressed to believe that this is what they want, to have all three guys on the roster come opening night. Yeah, I mean, look, in a vacuum, um, Beverly's a good pickup because you need you you could use the defense and the feistiness and I, I like you know almost any team that I would have expectations for playoff expectations or high level playoff deep playoff run type expectations I would want Pat Beverly on that team like I'd I'd be happy to have him on on my team if I'm trying to contend for something Dennis Schroeder on the Lakers in particular where I think they just needed somebody else who can do some things with the ball in his hands who can create a little bit score a little bit take some of the pressure off LeBron, whatever. Like Those are both good pickups. And if their offseason had been picking up those two guys, but offloading Westbrook for whatever they could get for him, then I would see some balance in the roster. But right now, it's it's terribly out of balance. There is a glut there. LeBron is going to be your primary ball handler every moment that he's on the court, or nearly every moment. And those other three guys are going to all need the ball in their hands some. And we already know that Westbrook chafes when he doesn't. So... I'm with you. To me, this telegraphs that we're we're preparing for life without Westbrook. We just don't know how we're going to get there. We wish we could have gotten this resolved by now. We didn't. But 
here's a here's here's here are two guys who have played point guard ish for most of their careers. One of whom is a defensive specialist. The other one is a, a a good scorer off the bench. These are both needs we have. We'll worry about the Westbrook thing later. And and th- I mean that's it. Like they're just kicking the can down the road a little bit. Or the, the can's already down the road. They didn't kick it there. The, the, the can's just permanently stuck ahead of them somewhere because they wanted to to resolve this and they couldn't. You know they will keep trying to pretend like this is what we want, but it, the whole league knows better. The whole league knows that it's really comes down to trying to find a deal that they could consider palatable and resigning them to the fact resigning themselves to the fact that they probably have to trade two future first round picks which they really don't want to do if Westbrook made a third of his salary this would already be over by now and and that's that's the real issue um if there were any teams in the league that really really wanted him this would be over by now but it's still sitting there it is going to be the elephant in the room for the Lakers when you're there for media day and for every day beyond that until something happens. Yeah. And the number of teams willing to do a deal with the Lakers, or at least that have the ability to do a deal with the Lakers has dwindled by the week. Um, You know, do I think Indiana would still do a deal involving Buddy Heald and Miles Turner in exchange for getting back those two first round picks? I do believe they would do that because I think Indiana just like Utah is all in for victim Victor Wembayama this year I think that's who they want uh, on their roster in 2023 and moving Heald and Turner you know that that all but guarantees you're going to be in that mix uh for sure um San Antonio could they do a deal for Westbrook that would bring back the two first round picks probably as well um but, I mean, the Lakers seem to have decided that that's just too high a price to pay. That unless they're getting back, you know, talent that almost guarantees them a championship, they're they're not looking to do that at this point. Now, that appetite could absolutely change in the coming months. Because if this team starts off like 500, you know, over the first 12 or 20 games of the season, the pressure is going to be ratcheted up to make a deal that improves this roster. If it looks like early on that Westbrook and Schroeder and Beverly don't fit, because right now that's what it looks like. I mean, we could, we're, we're not smart. We're not, we are not as smart as Darvin Ham. We are not as smart as Rob Palenka when it comes to basketball. I get that. But you know, we sat here last year and said, it doesn't look like Rob Russell Westbrook's going to work on that roster. I have a fairly comparable feeling right now, Howard, with uh, Westbrook and Beverly and Dennis Schroeder in that backcourt on this roster. I just don't feel like, it doesn't feel like it's the right fit. So if this team starts off slow, uh, I I would imagine you'd see the Lakers' appetite on trading away draft picks will change. Two ifs there, right? One is, as you just laid out, if they start slow and they start feeling the heat of this team is underachieving and it's it's we've got this imbalanced roster, we've got this glutted point guard, we've got guys who can't figure out how to, to mesh all their skills... That's one factor. The other one is, how long does it take, assuming Westbrook starts opening night, how many games can they go struggling before Darvin Ham asks Westbrook to go to the bench and try to balance things that way? Energizing the second unit, clarify things on the first unit, giving Westbrook a, a, a role where he can still be the primary playmaker when he's on the court and with the ball in his hands, but not necessarily always with LeBron. And... If that happens, then the clock is ticking on on Westbrook's entire being, right? Because we know he's not going to be 
real keen on going uh, to the bench and playing six man. So there's there's a couple of things at work there. Uh, and, and then the, the broader context for all of that is the Western Conference is, again, brutal and even more brutal than it was before. I mean, let's go through real quick guaranteed playoff teams, right? Assuming health, uh, and I'm just going from the top of the standings from last season, right? Phoenix is in the playoffs. Memphis is still in the playoffs, although I think they're going to be slipping to, the, to outside of the top four. But Phoenix, Memphis, Warriors, Mavericks, Jazz are out. Uh, Denver rejuvenated with their guys back. Minnesota was already a playoff team and now has Rudy Gobert. The Pelicans made the playoff team through the play-in and now have Zion back and have a full season of C.J. McCollum. We're at seven, and the Clippers, who I hadn't mentioned yet, but who could win the West, that's eight. I've got eight teams. Now, you have the play-in tournament also, right? So it's really the six guaranteed in the four play-ins. But still, that's eight teams that I'm not sure the Lakers are necessarily better than. A full season of LeBron and Anthony Davis, I always give the benefit of the doubt, could possibly, everything clicks and they're, and they're a top four team again. Possible. Possible. I don't want to bet against LeBron and Anthony Davis as a twosome. But it's the rest of that roster around them. It's the uncertainty about Westbrook. It's all the other deficiencies that they still have as a roster. And I just named eight teams that feel like virtual locks for playoff slash play-in. Um, and on top of that, hey, look, I don't know how good Portland's going to be, but they're going to be better than they were with a full season of Dame and a couple pickups. I don't know how good the Kings are going to be, but I think they're going to be better with a full season of Sabonis and some pickups. Rockets and Thunder might even be better. Not, I'm not putting them in play in range. I'm just saying everybody's going to be a little bit better. So like the Lakers, you can't start slow in the West. Like the only guaranteed crappy teams are the Spurs and the Jazz who are trying to be crappy. After that, it's there. Like, remember, we saw the Lakers like get, get trounced by the Thunder. Like, wasn't it twice in one week? <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, it's no easy path back to respectability for them. No, it's going to be a challenge. And look, I'm sure when they convene for media day, uh, they'll see all the right things. There'll be some. Moments in training camp, some video put up on the Lakers Instagram or social media feed of Westbrook and Beverly playing well together in the early practices. But it just sometimes you got to trust what your eyes are, are showing you, man. Like, and you know, Westbrook didn't work last year. It wasn't about the number of games he, LeBron, and AD played together that didn't have much, if anything, to do with it. And the idea that Westbrook and Beverly can play together in the same lineup. Uh, you know, Beverly's not a bad three-point shooter, but he's not some marksman out there. Uh, the idea that he and Schroeder will be successful as a twosome and an undersized back, I just, none of it makes any sense, Howard. It doesn't, even for simple basketball minds such as ours. So, <laughs> to say nothing, to say nothing of whether Westbrook and Beverly uh, really want to coexist, considering yeah, that they have a long too. history of hating each other. I mean, you know, as you know, I'm all I'm all about the anything can be overcome in the NBA. A lot of this stuff is a little overblown, or you know what, if guys want to win, they'll figure it out, and you know whatever. Um, but that that that's that, that's a pretty tangled history, those two. So. Uh, you know, anything short of uh, seeing a video of them, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, having have, have, having a, a, a wine tasting together or whatever, I, you know, bringing their families together and having a picnic. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for me to believe that those guys are actually OK with each other. But I'm a little skeptical even of the vibes uh, of this team and those two in particular. 
I am as well. But uh, I'm sure it'll give us a lot to talk about at least over the first few weeks and months of the regular season. Uh, Howard, we'll look forward to Monty McCutcheon on the podcast on Friday, and we'll do this again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.